Keeping my head above water is all that I know how to do But it's kind of beautiful Underneath it all I ran across a question tonight that I must pose to you. Okay. You have to answer this thoroughly okay. to the best of your ability, oh. accurately, okay. and I know that you're going to love this question, okay? Okay. You have been hiding something from me all night. You've been, there's some sort of graphic. I got okay. really excited, and I, like, hurled my phone at you, and then I lunged across the couch, and I was like, wait, never mind. Don't look, because I had to save this. Yeah. Save it for the pod. There's two bottles of potion, red and blue. Which one would you drink? The red potion, if you drink that, you can talk with horses. If you drink the blue potion, horses will do anything you ask them to do. <gasps> okay. You okay. look like you look completely entranced. I'm incredibly conflicted. I knew that this question was <laughs> I knew this was gonna spark your interest. It's like I'm jump-starting a car battery. Uh, like, you're just coming alive. I can see it. Shit. Oh, man. I want... Can, talk me through your reasoning. Okay, so I don't... I I don't like the idea of, like, unilaterally being able to, like, make some... Make, like, a creature <laughs> do something. Like, I... You know, and also, that feels like this is a very dangerous power to have. Like, mm. this in the hands of somebody with ill will oh. could, this could really do damage. You so. could form, like, a horse mutiny. Like, you could... Right. That, that horse could round up all the other horses. Exactly. They could potentially take over mankind. Yes. You know? Um, and also... If I take one, does that leave the other one for someone else to do harm? That's such a good point. Do so I I'm imagining do the one? if you take the red potion, does that mean you can talk with horses, but you can't tell them to do anything? Well, you could try. You could, like, suggest, but you don't have the guarantee, right? Yeah. What would you ask a horse to do if you could ask a horse to do anything? Um, just like, are you, can I ride you for a while? That's so <laughs> cute. You just want their consent. Yeah. yeah you just but want- like, yeah. And like, will you do this really cool thing for, for TikTok? I'd be like, can you, um, can you just snuggle up at the foot of my bed and yeah. befriend my dogs? Yeah. I would be like, can, would you like to come to my house? <laughs> We could do like to come. We over? could build a stable for it. I know. Well, I guess we're horses. <laughs> I guess we're horses now. Okay. So I think, but I do really, I really do think, I think I would take the red one where you, you think can so? talk with horses. This is like, the new matrix, right? Here's the deal. You know why? Because I feel like if you build up a strong enough bond and build up that friendship and relationship with the horse. The horse will do anything you ask. That's a really good point. You're playing the long game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is like, would you rather have $1,000 now or I'm going to invest $1,000 for you and you get it five years from now? It's Mm -hmm. like nobody wants to wait, but everybody wants the big payoff, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for engaging with that question. Wait, what's your answer? Um, probably, you know what? Probably blue because I would ask the horse to be my friend. <laughs> Wait, okay, is it any horse will do anything I say? I think so. No, I still would just want to talk with them. Yeah, right? Because I would. I feel like the they'll do anything I ask does not suggest to me that they would talk to me, and I want yeah. them to communicate with me. Yeah, exactly. And you said talk with horses, not yes, talk to, to horses. Them. Exactly. I paid attention to that preposition. Yes, and because the, the blue would also just, it feels like, the horses have no say. And yeah. They're already dealing with, like, animals are already dealing with, like, humans being, like, just awful, terrible. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Parts of the world. That, exactly. Like, I don't want to further 
I for like, that divide. You, you know? know what? Horse, bite my calf. I deserve it. Yeah. Kick me in the chest. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not. All right, everybody. It's episode 67. 16. 77. Bienvenidos. Very good, um, honey. We are just so delighted to have y'all here. And we are on the precipice. We are on the edge of glory. We are on the cusp. Oh, sorry, different song. You were doing dramatic. Yeah, I don't okay, know. I was, like, like, I was, was trying to timpani. Yeah, I was doing like background for you to, t- oh, okay. to talk about this. Do it again. Okay. You just start talking. Okay. We are changing things up. Dun, dun. We are going to have possibly a new logo. Dun, dun. A new look. <laughs> yes! <laughs> what else are we changing? Uh, <laughs> we're revamping, y'all. Yeah. We were really so ignorant and young and naive. Fools. Stupid. Pedestrians when we started this process. Embarrassing, really, to look back on it. <laughs> We had no idea what we were doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. I have taught myself to use this weird-ass software, and I half-ass edit it when I can. Um, With Patreon, we really were flying by the seat of our pants. But we are just going to refresh, revamp. Renew. Yes. It's time, honestly, for, like, a visual and structural shake-up to this shit. Yes. So instead of, we were going to wait until episode 69, just because Uh, it's, it's, that's, I mean, come on. It's the sex number, and it's just so, so fucking cool. Funny. So funny. But you know what? This is a, a sign of our maturity and growth. We're growing up. It's a sign of restraint that we're, like, right there, but we're not going to do it. We're not doing it. You know it. what I mean? No one can make me. I, so, I'm having regret right this second. Me too. Instead, <laughs> do you want to talk about um, when these changes will take place? Yes. So we're... Um, for the month of October, we're going to take a brief hiatus and kind of get ourselves ready for this next season. We are... We're going to, because when we come back in November, we're going to fucking wallop the airwaves with some amazing shit. We are going to blow your dicks off. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honey. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I just wanted to try saying that. Let me I try it. like it. Let me try it. No. We're going to blow your dicks off. Oh, God. I liked it. I was fine with it, kind of. I felt powerful for a minute. Um, but yeah, we are, yeah, we're going to do um, a little refresh. And Mary and I have been having lots of conversations about how exactly we're going to do this. And we alluded before to having guests on our show. Mm-hmm. No famous people allowed. Yeah. We've trademarked that phrase. And um, so we're going to start bringing guests on the pod. Yes. Of like every different level of our lives like people that we've known for a long time people that we don't know very well like Mm -hmm. and we're really excited about it yeah i think it's just gonna it's gonna be so weird it's gonna be weird so zany and are we gonna make our guests play gay or straight you bet your fucking ass we will and is it gonna be well you know what we should make them do all of our segments yes absolutely like if they agree to come on this show they are going to get put through the ringer yes i mean honestly and they have to pick a poem this would be a great time to start building a friendship (laughs) with one of us like a, but it has to be a genuine friendship, like not like a weird parasocial thing. But like you have to like, it would be a good time because you might end up a guest on the pod. Um, but so yeah, I think that like this podcast has always been about shit that is uncomfortable to talk about, mm. and you know, like this is the most vulnerable and the most public I've been with a lot of the experiences that I've had. You know, right. like especially with mental health shit, right? And. Uh, and also just like being a queer person in the world and like going through all these like different elements of like my own gender identity and expression and 
you know, seeing where I fit in all these different places. And I know that you feel the same way. Yeah. And so, like, this is to me, like, an every person's podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is about, like, seeing the the humanity and the, the humor and the, like, points of connection with people who, like, can understand what we're going through and, mm. and, and, and can like, if they connect with one of us on these like axes of identity, yeah. they have a better understanding of the other ones because right. they've listened to us talk about it, you right. know? And that there are so many different like points of, of connection and that like in our coping skills and our, our uh, ability to deal and with and handle and survive trauma. Like mm. we're all so similar in that way. And I think we formed a really strong community around it. Ugh. So like, I want to bring, I want, I want to, I, I want to kind of express that through totally. this part of the pod. I you think know? that's so real. Oh, I, you said that so beautifully, honey. Thank you, honey. Yeah, I, I, I mean, on top of it just being fun and also, like, I just love the people in our lives. Me too. I think that it is... Not that we have, like, we've already talked about everything that we could possibly talk about, but I, I do think that there's this, like, element of, like, of, like, what, um, what, <laughs> what will a third bring us? You know, actually, <laughs> first of all, we'll have a talk about that later, but, no, I think, honestly, like, I was telling Mary the other day, too, I was like, I know we've talked about having guests, and I was like, sometimes when we choose a topic and we sit down to talk about it, if I'm being honest and vulnerable with y'all... Um, I'm like, I think I've said everything I have to say about this, mm-hmm. like, you know, and yeah. I think that that is also a symptom of just being busy and like the fact that this isn't our day jobs, mm-hmm. you know, like being being busy and like being so committed to this podcast, but also like not maybe b- being able to give some of our discussions as much as I would like to, you yeah. know, and, you know, and like, I know it's funny that I'm like unable to remember when I've repeated entire sections of a conversation before, but like, also I want our, I want more than that. And I think that our podcast has only begun to do all the cool shit it's going to do. And I'm really excited to hear somebody else's voice on this podcast. And also I think like so many people that we know love it. Yeah. And so many people that we know really connect with it and like have kind of gotten to know me better through it and gotten to know you better through it and us better through it. Right. And like, it just feels like a space that I'm ready to invite people into. Totally. Like we were hermits inside of our little space for a while yeah coming up on two years yeah yeah and shit yeah and it's time to it's time to invite other people under the fold yeah you know yeah i mean this is this is like a a really precious space to me yes me too it's time it's time baby i love the guest room is ready come on in man yes so we'll announce to y'all i think i'm gonna do like i want to do like once we decide who our first guest is gonna be i want to do like little teasers and i want to make them feel like a fucking celebrity yeah yes i mean and we might have we might i mean i just like i will allow a few famous people (laughs) but they have to act like they're not famous while they're on the pod (laughs) Just kidding. So there's also some changes to our Patreon. Um, we're going to be doing less lies per episode. Um, and we are going to, we usually do a decompression Sunday once a month, which means we just do like a Zoom call with a mm-hmm. bunch, like a, a, a group Zoom call and talk about our feelings. And there's one this su- this Sunday, by this the way. Sunday, yes. It's not too late to get on board. Yes. Um, and at, a, at the $5 a month level, now we're going to be doing like um, more sporadic, like Q&A Zooms and theme discussions and yep. like more you did a one about academia and I'd like to do one on music so that will be happening yeah 
Um, and we're going to be able to prioritize that a lot more with this restructuring. Right. You know? Yeah. Yes. And Offering more of our doing, time in that way. Yeah, totally. exactly. I'll be doing um, my request to songs um, at now the $50 a month level instead of $75. Um, and we're going to be launching a relationship workshop in yeah. January. So we are not winding we down. Help. We are winding up. You are, we are winding up. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. Um, yes. And it's not like we have all, not in the sense like we have all the answers or anything like that, but like more of a collaborative type of, yes. you know, like, yeah. um, what am I trying to say? Like a place for us to touch base. Totally. And yeah. I think both of us is like, I mean, obviously you're a professional educator, like as a professor, um, but both of us like wanting to to be help, helpful and of, of service. Like, and let really me, thrills us. Let me pass on the wisdom that I have obtained over like almost 30 solid years of, of therapy mm-hmm. of like seeking <laughs> psychological help for every different kind of relationship you could possibly <laughs> fucking imagine. Every mistake I have made, let <laughs> let me help you. Um, we are also um, we had a, a fifty dollar perk where we would send you a custom video. We're ditching that, and we are now doing a like just a Zoom call with y'all. Yeah. And so that that tier is at a hundred dollars a month, and like so for for if, even if you just sign up for one month and just want that like half hour call and hang. Totally. So there's like there's some exciting stuff going on Patreon for so that'll start in November. Yep. And we're incredibly deeply hugely grateful for y'all's support. It enables me as a humble employee of a state college. <laughs> Um, you know, of course my salary is exorbitant, um, (laughs) but this really helps a lot to enable, um, my ability to focus on the pod and like do a bunch of cool shit with it. So I really, really appreciate it a lot. Um, okay. I feel like this is like when they do the fundraising. I just felt like that. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I feel, I feel awful. (laughs) But it works. I donate. It's true. Because I'm tired of hearing them talk. I I can just imagine people like pushing the little 15 second ahead button. Like, get it over with. All right. Do you want to start with our lies? Yes. Two lies, a two pack. Yes. I love it. it. Um, Well, Naomi is starring in a spaghetti western. Yum. Well, she has to make quite a bit of spaghetti first. Yeah. Okay, good. You know? I was hoping. I was hoping. I want to know are we doing marinara? Are we doing. Arabiata. Are we doing Pomodoro. a garlic sauce? What are we doing? What are we doing? What's what are we the doing, Naomi? Are we doing a cacio e pepe? Yeah. Ooh, spaghetti Western. Good, yeah. Every time I hear a spaghetti Western, I get hungry. <laughs> um, Maddie C. got mugged last night. Oh, no. Maddie C.'s face was featured on the famous Coffee Mug of the Month Club. Oh. That's what I meant. <laughs> this is a rare and illustrious honor. Only Albert Einstein, Dr. Martin Luther King, and Gloria Estefan have been featured before. <laughs> Estefan? Estefan? I don't I should know that. Um, in fact, the club is so prestigious that the mugs are not available for sale anywhere. Oh, my gosh. That they're only on display at the Coffee Mug Museum in Colorado. Oh, that's so cute. Have I told that story on the podcast before? I think so. I think so, too. I think See, I have, this too. Is, this is why we need the refresh. You're Exactly. Yes. Yes. I feel I feel like I'm turning into an NPC. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? As they say, a non, non-player character. Like, I just come in and I say my lines about, like, did I ever tell you the Baba Museum story? I'm bipolar. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. Uh-huh. Carrie H. just rock climbed to space. That's, that's fucked. <laughs> First, she climbed Mount Everest. 
And then she climbed Mount Olympus. And that's how she got there. <laughs> that's great. Doesn't that add up? Yeah, that's space. That makes sense. Yeah, so Mount Olympus. Is Mount Olympus in space? Or is it like in heaven? Or like... I don't know. Is it a real mountain? Oh, shit. Well, Mount Olympus was where all of the gods that's were a, born. Yeah, right? and that's, that's real, right? There's a Mount Olympus in Greece? Oh, I don't know. But like, <laughs> so like, isn't, but like no, in like Greek mythology, it's a place that's like in the clouds right. between like between Earth and heaven. It's definitely a real mountain. Oh no, God. I know it's a real mountain, I I but there's it. also yes, it is a real mountain, but it's also a uh pretend mountain. You know what? I'm not gonna rewind this. No. I am mortified. I'm leaving it in this podcast. Oh, my God. I leave it out on the court for y'all every time I play this game. Every time I lace them up. I am willing to be vulnerable and I'm willing to get questions wrong. I did it on Jeopardy. I'm doing it here. Yeah, babe. Um, Avery got egged last night. Oh, no. Don't worry. They were enclosed very briefly in a gorgeous Fabergé egg. <gasps> yes, a real Fabergé egg. Like one of the jeweled eggs created by the jewelry firm, the House of Fabergé in St. Petersburg, wow. Russia. Wow. Specifically, Avery was shrunk down and placed in the warm embrace of a rare imperial egg. Oh, my God. Only 52 of those were ever made <laughs> and only 46 survived. And they were made for the Russian czars Alexander III and Nicholas II as Easter gifts for their wives and mothers. This actually might be the most special event that has never happened to one of our listeners. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And That's Avery's beautiful. fine now. Avery's okay, back to normal room. size. Yeah, out of the egg. <laughs> Grown back up. Grown back up. <laughs> beautiful. I'm so glad you liked it. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> so let's get into it. Yeah. Let's talk about failure. This is like our last <laughs> for right? This yeah. is like our last foray into a discussion like this. Yeah. I mean, we'll have them on, on Patreon, I'm sure, with our listeners, yes. but... Yeah, but I mean... This shit's is, about to change around here. This is sort of like how... Savor this, it. This, this came up was a couple of days ago, we were like, oh my God, what are we going to talk about this week? And, you know, we were sort of playing with the idea of just like having sort of an open discussion. And I realized, I was like, oh no, I feel really anxious about that because I feel like I I don't... I like to be prepared and kind of have my footing and like know what I'm going to say and feel confident and competent about it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it at night and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so I'm so scared of failing. I'm so scared of failure that there's it's so um, I feel like to the point where it holds me back from doing stuff that mm. I might actually like or mm-hmm. want to try. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was also this sort of hesitation to switch things over and start interviewing people. Cause I'm like, but, but what if we, what if it's bad? Like, what if we fail, you know? Right. And like, what if, you know, our, like, I know I wasn't sure if we should talk about this, but like, yeah, our, our amount of listeners has gone down. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's really difficult in this, like, <laughs> yeah, in this, culture of of numbers and like and social media and like constantly you know viewing yourself in the backdrop of everything of everybody else right it's like yeah and being oh able no. to quantify everything yes. like being able to quantify like how many people are interested in what you're doing and compare it to how many people are interested in something somebody else is doing right um is that's it, really hard yeah And, you know, I think that's one thing that creates a lot of, like, 
uncomfortable feelings of of like almost mania for me where I'll become like really fixated on it. Mm. So I have to like with the listeners on our podcast, I kind of just started trying to have to ignore it because I never even sought out the information. I would just get these. I get these emails from our hosting service about how many downloads it's gotten each week, you know? And so I see it fluctuate and respond to different topics and like different times of year. And like, it's hard for me not to be like, Oh shit. You know, I thought people were really going to like that topic and they they really don't like it. Or like, how do I, what, what am I doing wrong that like listeners are going away? (laughs) What's wrong with me? Why don't people like me? And I don't think we're alone in this. Like I see people who, I follow on Instagram who like, I think are like full-time influencers, you know, who have Mm -hmm. talked about like, you know, I'll see, I'll see see a drop in followers and like panic and have like an existential crisis and be like, what's wrong with me? What am I doing? And yeah, I think that's like an abnormal state of affairs. But the reason it's so powerful is that like it taps into, and I honestly feel sort of like I've grown up with some version of that anyway, because like I wasn't that old when like, I was using, you know, like Friendster and MySpace and fucking LiveJournal. And that had the same situation. Hot like, or not. <laughs> <laughs> and like so many different things in life, I think this impulse is worse when you're younger. Yes. And I'm just so glad. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm so glad that this kind of social media environment didn't exist when I was younger. I'm not, obviously I'm not talking now about the podca- podcast downloads, but that's part of it. It's yeah, like absolutely. part and parcel of the same thing. But like I say, oh, I'm so grateful this platform didn't exist, exist when I was younger. But I was like, oh no, I spent plenty of time agonizing over like not being in people's top eight and shit. Yeah. Like yes. all the time. Right. Or like comparing how many people were like followers of my fucking live journal. Yeah. And before that, it was worrying about like the number. I remember when I first got a cell phone, um, seeing like how many contacts my friends had in their cell phone and being totally. like, shit, I have no friends. Totally. So yeah, I think like it, it's it's just like every time a new technology comes along, people think it's going to like destroy this generation. Yeah. I, so I think these these types of things always have like a place to live this, totally. this in your brain, yeah. you know, this way of like quantifying. Did you ever, I, I don't know, I don't know if this was just the region I was in or just the time of like being alive, but did you ever share notebooks with your friends? Yes. Oh yeah. Like, so how we would sort of see who's the most popular is how many shared notebooks they have. Yes. So we would like pass, you know, if, and sometimes you would do it with like three other people yeah. and you'd have like a friend group that shared a notebook and that's mm-hmm. how you'd sort of pass notes. Yeah. And I mean, like I remember in eighth grade, I was like so proud because I had like 10 stacks of, right. of notebooks and journals. Yes. That, like, we would pass along. I was like, oh my God, I have so many friends. Or like <laughs> how many people would sign your yearbook? Yes. Or. Yeah, like getting invitations to people's parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was I, I, on my run the other day. I was r- running. I was like, I haven't gotten it. You're going to feel the exact opposite of this. Holy what? fuck. I was running and I was like, I haven't gotten to invited to very many people's weddings. I started thinking about it. I was like, I feel like most people my age have been invited to like it's fucking true. trillions of weddings. Yeah. And I really, ha- I never get wedding invitations. And then I went in this long spiral of like, why is that? And I was like, well, I don't really have, maybe I don't really have a whole lot of straight couple friends. And I was like, but gay people can get married now. <laughs> and it sent me on this, like, it's, it's like, that's a familiar. Yeah. And there's no reason for that. Like, yeah. I don't feel like my social life is lacking in any way, but it's just like. <laughs> You know, I think we are conditioned to be, you know, just even from like an evolutionary perspective to worry about like how well we fit in with the pack. Right, right. right. That's so real. Yeah. So this like this 
theme of are we doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? I feel like has just come up so many times through the course of my career. And I feel like I, in general, felt that I had a, a, a fairly good relationship with the concept of failure. And I think you do that by just managing expectations so that like, even if quote unquote failure happens in, if you have changed your perspective or your perception of what success is, or what like an, an accomplishment actually is, then it the sting doesn't happen, you know? You know what else you can do to avoid the sting? Huh? Just pull the old just pull the Donald Trump thing and just never concede. Yeah. And insist <laughs> that it was actually the whole system was rigged against you the whole time. <laughs> Honestly, it's a it's a pretty smart trick. If I'm like, I didn't fail, like I didn't I didn't lose that episode of Jeopardy I was on. It was fucking rigged. They were giving the 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 victor the answers. I just I know it. <laughs> Like, yeah. if you do that, that's really comforting. You never have to accept that you that's contributed true. to your own failure. But yeah, I know what you mean. The, the, the solution is delusion. Yeah, the solution is delusion. But yeah, I think it's... Um, but what, do you, what do you think is, like, where... Where did your, do you think your fear of failure comes from, some, from just, like, some intrinsic drive that you have? Ooh. Or do you think that it was... Do you think it's just like everybody's fear? Do you think you feel a more acute fear of failure than other people? I don't think necessarily. I think most people have a fear of failure. I think it expresses itself in different ways. Right. But I think I definitely have like a determination to succeed and like a really high expectation of myself and what I accomplish and what I do and how I move through the world. And um, and so it's difficult for me to like eat it. <laughs> when I when I feel that I I haven't um I haven't succeeded at something, right. and it also gives me a lot of um pause, and I feel that I have also missed out on stuff because I am too scared to know what it would be like if I if I, you know, yeah, I don't want to be a, I don't ever want to be in the learning process. I want to be immediately good at something. Is it the is it the like the the fear that you will miss out on the experience of succeeding or is it the fear that you will end up bitter or is it the fear of being shamed or embarrassed or judged? Yeah. I think it's probably embarrassment or judgment. Yeah. And not, and um, yeah, you've heard me say this phrase a lot and I think this is like the root of so much of my shame and where so much trauma comes is this idea idea of like letting people down. Oh yeah. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let my fans down. I don't want to let the podcast down. You know, this sort of, um, uh, expectation of, uh, carrying a burden. Like I must carry this burden that no one asked for. Like no one asked me to like make a hundred sandwiches for everybody, but I have to do it because, I I am a bad person if I don't do it. Right. You know, and right. I don't know how much of that comes from, you know, environment or, you know, or trauma or uh, disorder or it's just my personality, you know, right. like how where it comes from. I'm to- not totally sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what happens is for people who have been successful or experienced like, you know, like, I, I mean, if I, if I look back on the things that I've accomplished so far in my career, I'm really successful. Right. And so I really want that trend to continue. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing that I think is the most aggravating sort of element. One of the more aggravating elements of being human. And of course, I don't mean like 
the most tragic or the most unbearable. I just mean aggravating, mm. right? Just that is that we have so many really powerful biases that as humans that impact and mitigate our ability to see the world realistically. Mm. And so if if you start even just like thinking about or studying the number of cognitive bi- biases that people have, it'll make you paranoid. Like you'll wonder if you ever see anything accurately. Yeah. But one of the most more powerful biases that people have is this is the same thing that brings people back to casinos over and over and over again, knowing in the rational part of their brain that it most of the time they're not going to win is that our brains have a tendency to both hold on to failure when we really shouldn't, we'll remember failure more than we do successes. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to something like gambling, we remember the successes and we forget the sting of failure. Mm. So it's like our brains are wired against us in, in, in so many different ways. We're like with this insidious behavior when you want to go back to drinking again, you remember like the fun nights you had out with your friends. Mm. You don't think about the hangovers. Yeah. And, but when it comes to, you know, like risking it to like ask somebody on a date or something, we remember the failures. They stick with you. right? Right. And we also have a recency bias. Like we are most likely to kind of go with the most recent thing that happened to us. Right. I just don't know if, we are ever really able to be fair in our calculation of whether or not we are likely to succeed or fail at something Mm. and whether or not it's going to be worth it if we, if we attempt it. Right. You know, cause I was talking to my students today about the, about these two different, like these, the two kind of main ethical frameworks, like the, in philosophy or in the study of ethics there are two like major options you have for how to look at the world. You can be a consequentialist or you can be a deontologist. And if you're a consequentialist, you care only about the consequences of somebody's actions. Like that's all that really matters. Intentions don't matter. The ability to adhere to like a moral code and making your decisions doesn't really matter. It's just like, when all is said and done, did you contribute more good than bad? Like, did you keep that balance more on the good side? A deontologist would say, no, it's all in the effort. Like the righteousness of your actions is determined by your ability to like adhere to a moral or an ethical code Mm -hmm. and to behave in an ethical way, to behave like in the pursuit of the good or the bad or excuse me, the good over the bad. Mm -hmm. And um, the consequences don't really matter. Right. That's that's incidental. Mm -hmm. And I, I only bring this up because. I was thinking about it like I I didn't willingly make this connection, but I thought about it. I was like, I think there are some people who can only really see the value of something if there's success involved. Like, Mm. I really do think it's like the people who listen, who the people who are like moved by cheesy inspirational posters and the people who think that's fucking stupid and they just want to win. Like the the, it's it's in the journey, not the destination. And you learn so much about yourself and just the process of doing it. And you made it to compete at that level. That's what really matters, you know? And there are people who are like, no, I didn't. I didn't get what I wanted. It doesn't matter. If I didn't succeed, it doesn't matter. I don't want a participation trophy. (laughs) Yeah. You don't deserve a participation trophy. I'm a snowflake and I melted. <laughs> exactly. Right. But I totally, I th- yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I totally, 
we're both touchy feely. So like, oh my god, yeah. But I also I understand the feeling of like, I, like, do I want to invest my time and energy and like feelings of positivity towards something that might not like what's the cost benefit analysis right of of pursuing an activity and especially i think you have to be more conservative with your choices in career you know yeah and i think there gets cuz there that there's that feeling again of am i going to let people down you're right and now that there's more at stake and more involved like it doesn't matter what my intention is. Right. If I'm trying this thing out, I could like, like, I, what if I'm not able to contribute to the mortgage? Like, what, right. if I'm, what if I'm not able to, like, it doesn't matter what, how I felt along the way, you know, in some ways I understand. Right. You know, that, yeah. That sort of perspective. I think it's a survival thing mm-hmm. because it's, there's a, there's a point at which failure is not like, you know, Failing to, I don't know, like get to the top of the billboard chart or something. Failure could be like, you know, like the types of failure that people deal with every day and like, you know, losing jobs or losing Mm -hmm. housing or like, you know, like losing the ability to care for themselves or for their families. Like, you know, I think that the how existential it is really depends on the circumstance. Exactly. But I mean, I, 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 when I talk about the failures that I've experienced, it's like, I've never really had to sit with any of them for that long because I, I refuse and I get so bitter and angry and resentful that I'm like, I have to succeed now out of purely out of spite. (laughs) And I think also out of like, Oh no, I can't accept this. Like I can't, I can't accept that I'm, I'm capable of failure. You know, even thinking about like examples for this episode, I have a mental block. I really do. Because like, and I think we, we, in, in a lot of ways, have to do that. You Absolutely. Know? Well, and I think that's my, that's sort of my whole uh, vibe is like the, uh, the ability to adapt and adjust is so important to peaceful thinking. Right. And to like being um, resilient. Yes. And being, yeah, being at peace in your own mind requires that you quickly adapt to what's happening rather totally. than letting go of your expectation of what you thought was going to happen. You know how on um, Ted Lasso, he talks about you should be a goldfish? Yes. Because they, they have no memory. Yes. I think, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. And of course, that's, like, it's cute and it's like a platitude because, like, the reason I, one of the, the big contributors to how emotionally complex we are is that we have such rich, robust memories and that they contribute so much to how we approach situations. Mm -hmm. And we remember shit. We don't even know we remember, right? Right, We remember our bodies hold on to stuff. We don't consciously remember, but I like that as like sort of a guiding principle. And I also like, this is going to sound really silly. Speaking of motivational posters, but I watched a documentary about beavers that really moved me. So beavers will work, I mean, day and night, just, you know, nonstop, vigorous, constant work and build dams, you know? And if something happens and their dam gets destroyed or washed away or something, they don't even stop to 
process it. Their brains probably can't even process it. Right. <laughs> like they, I don't think they experience like regret or disappointment or frustration. They just, they just start again, like without even a thought, they're just like, Oh shit. Okay. That's the, you know, like th- there's not yeah. even an, Oh shit. That sucks. It's just like, this is what needs to be done. It's just, okay, that, that happened. This obviously I need to start over. Right. And of course, you know, we're not beavers. Turns out we're not beavers <laughs> and, and we're not goldfish, <laughs> but I think there's something to be said for, not giving yourself to, I hate to say this, not allowing yourself to wallow in it. Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I think it's more like as with having struggled with, you know, like manic depression my whole life or most of my life. What is manic um, depression? Um, <laughs> it's this disease I have. <laughs> but like, you don't really have the luxury because it's like, mm. it's like quicksand. Like if I yeah. stop for a second... I think I, I totally get what you're saying. And honestly, my approach has been much of the same, too. I do think there's, like, there's value to both, like, both ways of approaching hardship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I think it really depends on what, yeah. on what people want out of something. But I, well, think, yeah, for, yeah, I actually. think for both of us, it has been a huge priority to be high-functioning. And it's been very right. important for both of yes. us to be successful. Right. And so we make a... Conscious choice to compartmentalize, yeah, and say I'm going to deal with this when I need to deal with this, and maybe I won't. I think you're. <laughs> I actually, I think you're absolutely right. I think I don't. I don't know if I would have the same attitude if it if it weren't for the fact that I have I have held myself to a higher standard because I think a lot of it too was seeing. Hearing about my aunt growing up, my mm. dad's sister who had bipolar disorder, who was like in and out of hospitals and like really struggled her whole life to to keep her shit together, you yeah. know. And I think about how I I think I worried that I was like condemned to that. Mm. And so I was like, I have to like overcompensate. So I wouldn't let anybody <laughs> totally. see any failure, mm. I would be like, I'm going to keep that shit under wraps. Yeah. Like I can deal with, I don't need it to be public. Yeah. I can deal with it privately because I didn't want to show any kind of weakness. Cause I right. felt like people would be like, Oh, well there you go. That makes sense. I mean, they're bipolar, you yeah, know? Totally. And, um, I feel like that's been, you know, I mean like people in my family expressed to me, like, I remember, I, I won't specify, specify which family member this was, but who was like, I worried that you weren't going to graduate from high school. And then I worried you weren't going to make it through college. And then I worried that you were not going to make it through grad school. And I was like, see, that's why I was, I would never, I was like, I will not show you any weakness at all. You will not ever know if I have any setbacks along the way. Mm. I'm just going to fucking make it. Yeah. As Maria Bamford would say out of spite. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly that. I mean, I feel like you just said my whole, that's exactly what I Really? Yeah. I, I also like have, you know, I have two, my, both my aunt and my uncle have bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. You know, um, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. My, um, my uncle's just not, you know, he's not the same person anymore. Yeah. Um, and so there was this feeling of like, I will do whatever it takes to, to make sure that I, I have the life that I want. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, growing up in the situation I grew up, like I had all these examples of like, I basically 
took like took stock and was like, I don't want any of this. Yeah. I want, I, this is exactly the template for what I don't want. Yeah. And right. I want to, I want to really set myself up, you know? And you know, I bet I'm sure you had these moments. Like I would sometimes have these moments, usually when I was in experiencing like that unpleasant, like really serious mania where I could like, I've talked about this before, but I wouldn't like hallucinate, but I felt really like my grasp of reality was slipping away and I yes. could feel myself like behaving in really impulsive ways and doing really dangerous things and feeling mm-hmm. like I couldn't control it. Yeah. Like almost like that feeling that I think I, I say that I think everybody's had this. I don't know. You know, that feeling when you're like on a balcony or like next to traffic or something and you have that moment where you're like, what if I just jumped? And then you're like, oh shit, wait, what, what, what the fuck was that? Yeah. It's like those thoughts happen more and more. Yeah. And I, I'd just be like, fuck, no, 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 not now, not now, not now. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm finally losing it. I would yeah. think about it. I'd be like, I, and I would, I read statistics about, like, when people with, like, serious bipolar disorder would kind of end up, like, needing to be hospitalized or, like, you know, when symptoms like that would generally, generally arise. And it's, like, in your early to mid-20s often. And so I'd be like, oh, my God, it's happening. Like, I, right. and I'd be like, no, you have to hold on. Like, hold hold right. on. Or I'd be like, I'm just to ignore that. Right. And so, yeah, I often felt like it, I just had this, like, white knuckle grip of, like, I just have to fucking keep it together. Right. Especially after my, my psychological shit really hit the fan when I was getting my master's degree and I dropped mm-hmm. out and all that stuff. Like, once I made it back, I was like, I will never do that again. Like, I will never, I will never lose sight of this again, you know? Yeah. And when I was like working at that liquor store, I told you I had like the acceptance packets from the grads from the PhD programs I'd gotten into. And I just took them to that job at the liquor store. Like when I was at the cash register and I'd just like read through them over and over again, like look at the campuses and like the programs. And I'd be like, I I can't I if I for a second entertain the idea of not doing this, like I'm I, I won't tolerate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I won't I I could not tolerate I couldn't tolerate the idea. Right. So I want to say like, oh yeah, my fear of failure is really like catapulted me. Like it's really helped me and supported <laughs> me. And like, but no, it's more like, it's this awful like white knuckle. Like I don't have, that is not an option. Right. Failure is not an option. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. Success is my only motherfucking option. Failure yeah. is not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I love that line. <laughs> You know, I was like maybe 12 years old, 12 or 13, and I was um I was like not doing well in PE, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like I had made this like promise to myself when I was like in the shower and I was like I had come up with like a phrase that I was going to say to myself and it was failure is not an option. <laughs> I told my mom about it, and my mom is like was like newly in therapy for, uh-huh. for like abusive and relationship. She's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, mom, my new my new method, my new mantra is failure is not an option. She goes, so there's a lot of negatives in that statement. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Maybe it's the consequentialist in me. I I've never been able to be motivated by. Like, a lot of, like, the positive thinking kind of stuff when it comes to, like, my career and my life. Like, in fact, I just saw my chair in the hallway the other day, and he was like, how's your tenure stuff going? You know, how's, how's your tenure file going? And I was like, it it will get done because it has to get done. <laughs> and I think I've told you this before. 
whore. Yeah. Like, it will get done because that date is going to arrive whether I'm ready for it or not. And I know that I'm not going to let it lapse yeah. and fail. Yes. So it will get done. That's like, I mean, there's yes. failure is not an option. The answer to how is yes. The answer to how is yes. <laughs> the way out is through. Yes. But I think, like... This is where I've tried also, like, one thing I will say, god damn, every psychiatrist I've had who told me to exercise. <laughs> Running has been such a good outlet for a lot of this because mm. I feel like it's a little mini drama mm. <laughs> where, like, first of all, of course, sure, the actual movement, yeah. like, really helps my, it gets my gears turning. I go over, I, especially, like, a long run, like the one I had today. I have just time to think about, like, what did I do in class today that didn't really go over well? Or how can I improve that next time? Or, like, I'll think about something a student said or mm. think about something that, you know, some, some about a meeting that I have. Or, you know, and then I'll start thinking about, like, my relationship with friends and family. And, oh, I should call her and email her, all that stuff. So there's a time to think. Mm. But also, I, I have to, it's just you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just you out there. And when I'm like, I want to slow down, I want to quit... It's like a little theater where I get to work out like all of my impulses and all of my excuses to myself. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I I don't get harsh like that with myself. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not like failure is not an option. You fucking loser. You know, <laughs> um, instead, I'm like, no, you can't. You, but you came all the way here. And like, of course you can do it. Like, you know that this is all mental. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Like, your brain is so fucking strong. Mm-hmm. Like, look at everything you've been through. Like, yeah. look at all the things you've endured. Like, right. this is nothing. Right. So I guess I do have in other areas of my life, you know, like healthier strategies for motivating myself. Yes. But they all <laughs> fail me when it comes to my career. It's like, but and I guess it's because we're not usually given a lot of grace in that area. That's very you true. Know? Yes. I mean... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Under a capitalist society, like this is it. No wonder we have a sort of a cutthroat attitude with yeah. our, with ourselves. Yeah, you know, it's like because that's that's how that's how the world works, right? You know, and failure is like failure to hold and retain or produce value. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm by, what I'm concerned about is yeah. like, will people be willing to like exchange what they have for what I have to offer? Do I have enough to offer? Right. Wow. It's it's like as a transaction. Yeah. Wow. That's so real. Yeah. And I really appreciate you saying that you don't have that same sort of relationship to something like, like an activity or something that doesn't sort of hinge on your career. I guess there's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah, Now that you put it that way. But I I think, I think it's a really like great mindset because I think we both feel that way in relationships as well. Like there's, you know, Oh yeah. 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 I, I think I used to have a very, you know, like rigid view of relationships. Like this has to work. If it doesn't work, I am a failure. Right. Then I have, I, you know, I've let everybody down. Right. Or like friendships too. Yeah. I have, there have been so many friendships, not so many. Okay. That's, 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 (laughs) (laughs) there have been a few, how about that? Friendships in my life that I have just agonized over where I'm like, no, I have to save this. Even though Mm. like, I don't feel fulfilled in the friendship. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been slighted or, or, or neglected or something. And I've, I've come to realize, like, it's okay if that thing fails. Mm, you know, like, yeah. I think that's sort of part of the evolution of one's relationship to failure yeah. is, like, you know, also, if you if you fail, I'm thinking about, you know, of course, I can't talk about this topic and not talk about Halberstam and the queer art of failure. But, like, Halberstam would say, if you fail to 
participate in a fucked up system, that's good. Mm. Good on you. Yeah. Now, in practice, that's that's hard to <laughs> feel okay about. Right. But it's I think that requires like a total restructuring of your attitude toward what it means to be successful. And like totally. we can I, we can long for our socialist utopia all we want, but like this is the world that we live within. And it's really hard not to feel shitty, I think, about, like, you know, yeah. fuck, why didn't I get that job? Like, right. especially after, like, I've had, you know, I had an interview and they met me face to face and they still, right. they picked somebody else totally. over me. Like, yeah. they did, yeah. you know? I think that's what's been so um, uh, empowering, disempowering about, like, uh, like, auditioning for film and TV. Oh, yeah. Is... Uh, initially when I would first get like uh, auditions and send in a tape or, or meet people um, and, you know, go through the audition process, I would feel like I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. And, and there's no way I'm not going to get it. And and if I don't get it, I'm, I, I'm going to quit. Like uh-huh, I, I uh-huh. hate acting. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's something that happens after, you know, your 50th rejection. You're like, Oh, you know, you know what really helped me is is watching. I always end up watching the projects that I didn't get picked for, right? And, and being like, just, "Oh, that wasn't a good fit." Yeah, I watched. So I I auditioned for the latest, uh, the Cinderella that just came out, the one with Camila Cabello. I auditioned for the um, Evil Stepsister like many years ago. Many years ago, two years ago, I don't know. I think it was like was right before time. we started the podcast. Yeah, a that couple makes years sense. ago. Yeah, yes, and um, I uh, I. I came back for like an in-person audition. I like drove to New York to do it. And like, I left that audition feeling like I crushed this. Yeah. And I was just like, so broken hearted when I didn't get it. And cause they were going to be filming in London. And I was like, Ooh, really excited yeah. London. Yes. I was like for all of the things, you know? And when I didn't get it, I was just so bummed. And then I had to, I had to pivot and then I got Arlo and then I got to be Birdie. Right. And when I watched Cinderella, uh, Maddie, uh, Maddie Bayo, ba- ba- Maddie Bayo, she was, uh, she played Tracy Turnblad on Hairspray. Oh, uh-huh. she's fucking fantastic. She nailed it. She was so perfect for the part. Isn't she's it wonderful? Fantastic. I, I, you know what? I feel that way too about like, in the past when I've applied for jobs and haven't gotten them and then I see the person who is in the job and I'm like, holy fuck, they're good at that. Like, yeah. I, or I'm like, Oh shit! Okay, I was in really good company. Yeah, like right? that's a really good feeling. Yeah, or like totally. even um like I had these pie in the sky hopes for of course like you go on Jeopardy expecting to go on like a James Holt Tower run like yes. you don't go on that show expecting to be a one and done but like I remember though afterwards like I didn't feel even a little disappointment. I was actually in a lot of ways, this is total copium as as Hassan would say. Uh, I was relieved that it was over because it was so stressful. Mm-hmm. But also I would have loved to have kept going, let's be honest. But also like um, knowing, like getting to know the guy who beat me that day was actually like, it was really comforting. I was like, he's really smart. He's a really good guy. And yeah. like that helped. It helped, totally. you know? Yeah. Um, it's better than being beaten by some asshole, you know? Totally. God. <laughs> or who somebody wins on like a fluke. Yes. Know? I think there's, a, so there's a, a couple ways this also feels very um, close to me right now. So I, I don't think I've talked about, it. I haven't talked about it with anybody really. Like, Maybe a few friends. I haven't. I haven't had a drink since June, and like even during the um, pandemic, I really didn't. We like we really didn't. Drink. I mean, it's still much. during the pandemic. What I'm talking about. 
<laughs> I feel like you've been alcohol free mostly for like, oh my God. I mean, you've yeah. had maybe like what, five drinks in the past year, two years? Yeah. Well, the, your birthday was a. <laughs> oh, shit. That was the one where I, I had. I forgot. I had such a fun <laughs> night. But yeah, I understand you were not feeling great. That, I mean, that was the last time I had a drink. Yeah. Because I think that was the first time. Well, so that, w- that was like the first time I had a drink in a long time. And I was like, I was so excited. Like, I was getting so amped up because I was like, yeah, I'm going to drink tonight. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to have a really good time. Chug, I chug, gonna, yeah, chug. I'm going to get drunk and I'm okay with that. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. But I it ended up. Sense. It was fun to like plan. Like, I'm going to get real drunk tonight. Yeah. Like, in my drinking days, that was <laughs> yeah, fun. Yes. Like, I'm going to just have a whole setup and just get plastered. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's this switch that kind of turns on after a certain point with me when I drink where it's like I have to have like my cup has to be full yeah. at all times even if I'm completely shit faced just so I can have it there right right and even if I'm not going to drink it but I'm probably still going to drink mm-hmm. it and I'm going to forget that I drank it yep. it's like and it gets to so, like and if the bottle's about to be empty I have to make sure there's another bottle on the way oh my I god just, you know like it's just like sure the most intense like diminishing marginal returns of like yes. any product yeah um, so my, I started getting a headache <laughs> that, um, that evening. And then I realized like the next morning I had, like, I had, I had fucked something up with our food or our, like our water container. Um, we have like a, a water filter, like a Berkey filtration system. And I like dumped a bunch of cucumbers in it and like was, I don't know what I thought was, I, I was going to. was intentional, like a hotel lobby type thing. Yeah, but I put it in the filter. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Um, and I, the next morning I had to go in for my MRI and, um, I was so hungover. I was, I threw up like a whole bunch. I forgot that you had to get an MRI like hungover as fuck. Oh my my God. My headache was so bad. I couldn't stop throwing up. And then I finally was able, I stopped throwing up and then I went, I drove to the MRI and they put a blanket on me because I thought that would be nice. And, um, it was not nice. I was very hot and you're also not allowed to move. So I was baking in the MRI machine with this. It's so incredibly loud. And I'm like feeling like I'm going to throw up. That's so, so bad. I forgot. Oh, my God. I'm getting nauseous. Just hearing you talk about it. <laughs> and then I just had this feeling where I was like, this is just not worth it. Yeah. Like I would have had so much fun anyway. Also, the like the toward the end of the night gets really fuzzy. Like I don't totally remember. I can't. I, I remember Joy being here. I remember like yeah. I do. But after that, I'm not totally positive. Right. And like I don't like that. Well, at least you know what one thing is that mm-hmm. I feel like one advantage that you had in your drinking days. Huh. You never acted like a fucking asshole. Like, you never had to, like, apologize for your behavior the next day. Mm -hmm. Like, you held it together behavior-wise. There's nothing worse than that feeling of being hung over in the MRI tube and also being like, holy shit, I acted like... Like, you only remember flashes of how awful you were. And that was actually a recent thing, because I definitely definitely did lots of things I regret and felt very guilty and shitty about um, before I met you. (laughs) 
I got that out of my system. <laughs> Honey, are you using a foam roller? I'm sorry. I just am feeling a little bit sore in yeah. my butt right now. It's Go not bothering you, is it? No, I just wanted to let everybody know. Oh yeah, in case yeah. in case I sound distant. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my butt is sore from from my <laughs> from my run today. <laughs> so I'm just using a little foam roller action down here. <laughs> so I think there's this element for me of being alcohol free where I'm like, I don't want to tell people because I have this fear that like, what if, but what if I, I still want one? Right. Like what? And, and like, if I have a, if I have a drink or I have a glass of wine at some point or a glass of champagne, like, am I, am I going to fail? Is that, does that mean that I failed at this thing? Right. You know? And I, I, so far, I don't have, I don't actually feel that way, but I'm just thinking like down the road and I like don't want to make a big deal about it yep. because I'm like, oh my God, the pressure's on. And I never, I just don't want to be considered a failure, you know? That's where they were onto something with the one day at a time thing. Yeah. Because all you have to do is just be like, I'm not drinking today. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, part of my, what I tell myself, even though I know damn well, I'm not going to ever drink again. Mm-hmm. I will sometimes just tell myself, like, I absolutely can drink whenever I want to. And it's mm-hmm. true. I can. I could. Yeah. <laughs> you know? As Chris Rock would say, you can drive with your feet. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> um, but, like, I think that some of that pressure can come off if you realize you don't need to make a big sweeping declaration to anybody about right. it. It just yeah. so happens that you have been choosing not to drink every day for a while. Yeah. You know? But you don't have to make this, like, sort of identity stamp on yourself and be like, I am an alcohol-free person, period. Yeah. Because I do think when we say those kinds of things, like, I am alcohol-free or I am, you know, I do not use drugs. Like, I am plant-based or, like, whatever. Yeah. There's a sense, like, you're staking a flag in the ground. Like, that's who you are forever, intrinsically, you know? Yeah. And I think for some people, that's really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, it's helpful for me to be like, I am a runner. When I start picking up the habit, you know, I'm like, it helps me to see myself that way. Right. But with other stuff, like, I, I don't really feel the need to... Like, put sober in my Twitter bio or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, absolutely no shade to anybody else who does. So I think it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Because I think some people have it. You know, I know this sounds like there's no way I'm not being judgmental. But I think I just mean I'm scared of failure like you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. But I, I think what it, what it is, too, is when people choose those identifiers, I think to me it's a signal I'm looking for my community. Right. You yes. Know? And, absolutely. And you're not necessarily like, you know, looking for that. No. And I, and I wonder why that is, you know, I think, I feel like I found community at other places. So mm-hmm. maybe that's it. Like I found the, I found the community that I, that I needed the support that I needed. And I, yeah, I think it's just up to the individual, mm-hmm. you know, like what they want to telegraph about themselves and how and mm-hmm. To what ends. Right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But I Um, hear you, and I think that's totally valid concern. Thanks, honey. And I'm not trying to, like, talk you out of your concern, but, like, I just think you're doing what works for you right now. It's true. And it doesn't have to be permanent. Yeah. And you didn't, like, make a decision even. You just, like, happened to have not had a drink. Totally. Yeah, like, um, I had to take a... I was, like, flying to L.A. to um, go to this event, and I... At any time I fly out of Boston, I stop by Legal Seafood. I get there early enough to go to Legal Seafood, and I get a lobster roll, and I have a glass of white wine. <laughs> that is what I do. And then I have five Bloody Marys on the plane. <laughs> and <laughs> and this time I was like, 
it wouldn't hurt if I just had like I could have a glass of white wine like at legal seafood before I fly and then I was like what did it really like what purpose did it really serve it was like it kind of made my head hurt and it dehydrated me and I could also like I realized anytime I ever wanted a drink, I just wanted like a little treat. Like I wanted a little <laughs> gift to myself. Yeah. So I got myself a little like, I don't know. I, I don't remember what I got myself, but I got myself like a little treat. Yeah, you, you just know? don't want to feel deprived. Like yeah. there's something about feeling like you're depriving yourself. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I know what you mean. And that's all. That's it all becomes it becomes a habit. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's also like a grown up, like it feels grown up. Mm-hmm. It feels. And I think also you, you understand like. Well, everybody says that it relaxes you, so it must, you know, like, yeah, sure, I guess it relaxes me a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around it. Yeah. I think the other aspect of this, and you've been talking about running, I um, I started running, too. Yes! <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not a runner. Um, you, wait, you said that. Okay. Oh, my I'm, God! I'm okay. Kind of, I am... I'm rejecting this, but okay. I am kind... I'm kind of a runner. I'm thinking... Yes! Trying to think of myself as a runner. Um, yeah. But also, part of the reason I never wanted to run is because of fear of failure. Like, I don't want to, like, attempt to do something, and then it's not that I worry I'm going to look bad, or it's going to, like, you know, you know, people are going to judge me if I do it. It's that... I'm not going to be able to follow through on what I said. Right. I would do, you know. You even didn't want to. You were running on some worn out ass Nikes. <laughs> I mean, they were <laughs> they were not befitting a woman of your stature, a woman of your prestige. Yeah, and, my, my sneakers were about 10 years old. <laughs> and I said, like... You know, I was like, honey, I don't mean to be, like, pedantic. Because, like, also, I wanted you to have, like, because I know that you're scared of failure, I was like, I want you to have, like, your own journey here. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be super weird and patronizing, and I don't want to be, like, too much of, like, a soccer mom. Like, you know, I was like, (laughs) I want to give you space with this, but I will, I was like, can I say one pedantic thing? You know, just kind of be overbearing in one way. And you're like, sure. And I was like, you have to, you need new shoes. Like, you desperately, you're going to hurt yourself. And you told me that you were like, I worry that's like making a commitment and I'm scared I'm not yeah. going to be able, I'm not going to do this, right. you know? And I totally understand that. Like it would be like if I I don't know, if I like before even going out and trying it was like I'm going to invest in like a $3,000 set of golf clubs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it would be that's that kind of I thing. Felt. That's how I felt. I was like I I literally went on like two or three runs and then now I'm going to go buy like a nice pair of tennis shoes. Like, I don't think so. Like, that's not. It wasn't until I was like, honey, even though just for like going out and like walking the dogs, like you deserve to have shoes better than this. It's like you're you could still like you you shouldn't walk in shitty shoes either, you know. And then you're like, oh, okay, I guess. But yeah, I think like there's a there's I think this idea that like, oh, no, I don't deserve to invest in that until I've demonstrated that I can be successful at it. Yes, you know, I think yes. that's that's natural. Yes. And that again, that's like a survival instinct. You don't want to like embarrass yourself yeah. or, you know, like commit to something you can't follow through on. Yes. Yeah. And I I think, too, I've been like, I don't want to talk about running either because I'm like, I don't know, I'm probably not even really good at it. And like. Uh, who knows like I I really want to do this 5k but I'm like 
I don't want to talk about it either because, like, what if I don't actually do it? And, like, yeah. I don't, you know, it's, like, I mean, all of these fears. I hear you. I think at any level that happens, I'm like, why the fuck did I post on Instagram about doing a half marathon? Because it's, like, <laughs> three weeks away and I'm nowhere fucking close. I'm nowhere close. <laughs> but I've decided instead just being like, you know, if it happens, it happens. Fuck it. Yeah. Like, and it's ultimately, like, it's just me out there when I'm out there and it's just me now mm-hmm. and it's always going to be just me. But, like, you share it with people because... It's like it becomes real then, you know, yeah. like you're able to like feel proud of yourself. And mm-hmm. like also it's interesting mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's it's like it helps for me to like hear about other people who have done it. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, my my very dear friend Ned told me about um, a coach that he knows, like a running coach who like specifically works for people, works with people who have bipolar disorder or runners. Whoa. He said, because there's, you know, there's like more, there's the problem of like motivation when one is depressed. And then there's a problem of like pushing it and yeah. going too far and hurting yourself right. on the other end. So I thought right. that was really interesting, but like, yeah, it's like the, forming the connections and community and getting support and all that. Totally. Yeah. So the big thing for me is like, um, oh, I don't have to immediately like just start running and then like just run for like a half hour straight. Like there's like a ton of apps that, um, you know, can help you go from like no, having never run before and then all of a sudden run. So those like couch to 5k apps are the ones that I'm using. And, um, I even like reached out to the creator cause I was like, can, can you, um, can you make an option where you don't have to put your weight or have your calories shown? Like, yeah. It could be really triggering for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, some people might like that. <laughs> and, then, and then the guy who, the guy who like actually developed the program. Yeah. Reached out to you yes. in, in a very supportive way. Yeah. It was really sweet. So I was like, also this was absolutely manic. Like I think I tweeted at him at like 2am <laughs> and I was like, um, hi, would you consider <laughs> in one of your apps, like, changing the weight, you know, putting mm-hmm. your weight in. And uh, he was like, so I actually developed the program, but I'm not involved in any of the apps. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, but I totally agree with you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. Yep. And that should not be a part of the running you yep. know, experience. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. And when we went into um, we went to Marathon Sports in Northampton to get my shoes, there was like a whole bunch of signs on the wall that was like, running doesn't have a size and and like it was just really sweet it felt mm-hmm. like and i felt like no one was looking at me weird and yeah i don't know i think i think things have come a long way the last time i remember running was like it, you know in high school when you're like being forced to run around the school oh being my. forced to do stuff it was <sighs> like awful i fucking hated it when i was younger i would yeah. have rather I would have rather like crawled through broken glass than have run. I hated it. It always felt like a punishment. It was miserable. It made my body feel awful. Like, I don't even know what honestly fucking possessed me to pick it up again in adulthood. It was just one day legitimately. I was like, I kind of want to run today. What the fuck? I was like, what's (laughs) that? You know? And it just hasn't really gone away. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's strange, right? And it it really is like a bug that kind of bites you. Right. So there's the all of these like different elements of like things I want to share, but I'm scared that if I don't follow through that it's going to really look like I've I've let people down if they're like all the, if they're mm-hmm. as excited or let myself down. Um, and I also my relationship to my career has just been such a roller coaster ride, you know, I when I was first pursuing music, I plan on being a, a teacher, you know, I was that I was music was something I was going to do on the side. And, 
you know, uh, yeah, maybe I'll make an album here or there, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it. I mean, come on. Like I knew, I knew a thousand incredible composers, singer songwriters, like that, you know, they hadn't made it. So why did I think I was going to? Right. And so when my career took off, I was like, oh my God, okay, this thing is like happening. And now I need to really like <laughs> take advantage of it. And like, let's go, let's, let's, let's do this. And it just seemed like at a certain point, every single thing I did was successful. <laughs> Everything I touched went to gold. Everything I did was like brilliant. And um, incredibly successful and everybody was on board and you know like the first song I was ever part of went triple platinum and was nominated for song of the year <laughs> for the Grammys I did I sang it with Madonna and then I got signed to a record label and like the first single I released with them went gold like and you know they it was like and then <laughs> you I have a reason it's not like you had delusions of grandeur like you experience you you were the grandeur so I just assumed that like when you know that single was done we'd do the next single and of course the next single is going to take off but they didn't even push the second single because that even though it went gold it like didn't go far enough so in their minds that the record had failed the album had failed and my manager dropped me and then the label left mm. and then I was like, that's okay. Fuck all of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to really, I'm going to crowdsource this and I am going to release bold and it is going to be huge and it's going to go gold and I'm going to be nominated for everything. And I put so much money behind it and it, it, it didn't go anywhere. Mm. It didn't do the thing that I, I, I was supposed to do. It didn't do what I knew I was capable of doing and what I had done before. Right. And even though it, like I, I, you know, I still sell that album. People still love the songs on that album. There's no, you know, they're, I'm so happy with it. It's, but it, I had to change my relationship to what I was releasing right. and why I was releasing it. Mm -hmm. And I think there was an element of, of going back to sort of my roots with grief creature and saying, okay, I'm going to release something that is really true to who I am. I'm going to like, this is, this is the answer. I'm going to pivot here because this is, this is what is going to bring me success. It wasn't necessarily, okay. It was like a mix of what, what can I create that is going to fulfill me that I will not be depressed <laughs> if it doesn't take off. And grief, it was grief creature. Right. I want to make this thing that is just so passionately about healing and about trauma and serves a function for a very specific person <laughs> for very specific people right that can take something from this and if it takes off awesome and if it doesn't i will be <laughs> right i am already here you know and the same thing happened and i think there was a, i had a little hope in the back of my mind that i would you know that i would be back at the grammys again and the pandemic hit and I'm not saying it was a pandemic. Obviously it was, you know, it was just circumstance and like things change and I had to pivot and I have, and I'm trying to, but in some ways it does feel like, what do I, what do I do now? Right. I'm scared. Yeah. And, um, my income has been 
like pretty steady for, for most of this time. And so, okay, I'm going to get really real. Um, my, uh, the royalties I used to get a month, um, were enough to cover our, you know, rent mortgage and, um, about, um, four or five months ago, uh, it, they to- it just like completely dropped off to like, like a hundred dollars a month or something. And, um, I reached out to a whole bunch of different people. I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, that royalty all came from Sirius radio. Um, and it just ha- so happened that the stations that they played me on Sirius changed from, um, the, uh, uh, actual Sirius XM to just digital. And it was like changed so fucking fast that I was like, Oh my God, I thought this thing was going to be here the whole time. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, what, what do I do? I was counting on this and it had been consistent for seven years, eight, nine years, you know? And like, I just never thought it was going to change. And now I, I'm like, I am feeling very confronted by r- reality. I'm feeling very confronted yeah. by a, a, an idea of failure. Yeah. That like, you mean like the, the possibility? Yes. Yeah. And, and I, even though like, they, well, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, Cause no, ultimately I don't feel like I, I feel like in a, in a broad sense, I know I haven't failed, <laughs> but there, there's the, that feeling of, um, I guess, being like, like irrelevancy can be a form of failure, you know, and like not being needed or not being cool enough or not being, um, yeah, not being, not being the one, <laughs> the one people like, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, that's just, that's just kind of where I'm at right now and trying to figure out what my next sort of moves are and what I, what I want to do, what is going to be like most fulfilling and, um, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> financially, right. you know, good for us. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm but- really, really proud of you for opening up about that. Thanks, baby. It's, it's scary. You know, I, I, I want, I want to feel like I've always got everything under control. Yeah. Yeah. And there are still some, you know, consistencies that I've, that I'm feel safe and secure by, but it's like, uh, that felt like I got like kicked, like a, they kicked the ladder out where I was like, holy shit. Okay. I gotta, I I really have to figure something out, you know? Yeah. But I, I feel grateful that there's lots of different things I can do and now I can try to do them all. Right. <laughs> try different things, you know? I'm really proud of you, honey. <sighs> I that's felt some scary and vulnerable shit. And I'm yeah. really grateful to you for sharing it. Thank you. And I think our listeners will be too. Thank you. <laughs> they Thank fucking you, better be. <laughs> <laughs> I right. think that's I think that's a that's the discussion. That's that's the, that's discussion. the discussion. I mean, I feel like if there were any other way to talk about like the hiatus and going to the next season, like and being vulnerable, like about what's going on, it's like that's a this good, is, this is a good is, time to do is, it. This yeah, this is the way to do it. This you know, is regrouping. Yeah. yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, it's time. 
We are bringing back a fan favorite. Like, an overwhelming fan favorite. We pulled yes. our Patreon uh, supporters about uh, the segments that they liked best, mm-hmm. and this was, like, a resounding top of the pile. And this is... Is this a good idea? Or am I manic? Just running some ideas past each other, <laughs> seeing if they're manic or not. Hey, we could do this with guests, too. It could be kind yes, of fun. Yes, exactly. Uh, you want to go first? No, you go first. Okay. This is an idea I had. What if we did some, like, fundraising, mm-hmm. like, within the Manic fam to grant, like, to start a grant to, like, fund research about, like, cool shit? Whoa. Like, bipolar-related shit or, like, fat-related shit. Repeat that? Like, what if we... Are you allowed to do that? Like, raised money to start, like, a grant so that people could apply for our grant to fund, like, research about stuff we care about. I love that. I don't even know if that's how it works. I've been in academia my whole life, and I don't know if that's how it works. You know why? Because nobody has grants for (laughs) fucking studying Shakespeare. (laughs) But, like, in the sciences and shit. Yeah. I mean, I think science research costs a lot of money. So is this a manic idea? Um. <laughs> you get where I'm going, though, right? Yeah. I I love it. <laughs> okay, what's your first idea? <laughs> Einstein. I that's fucking love it. Einstein reference on this podcast. I fucking love it, though. Thank you, honey. It's, that's a big pie in the sky. I think that that's, like, something we could pursue um, with like maybe in second season. Oh my god! Just just read your fucking lie or whatever. I'm lie. <laughs> I mean, kinda, kinda. Um, I did my genealogy. I've been, you know, I've still been obsessed with my ancestry dot com uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. I am ninety percent sure I'm related to Marie Antoinette. That's just a true idea. <laughs> Yeah, that's not manic. Like you have evidence, right? No, I mean you have a hunch. <laughs> She's not the Marie Antoinette. She's a Marie Antoinette something something. Delore or something, yeah, right? Delore. That's so fucking cool. You're looking at me. You're not going you're not expecting resistance from me, are you? So you don't think I'm manic? Respect my existence or expect my resistance. You know okay, I mean? okay. Um no, you're not manic. Uh my next idea is um what if I would only need 3 things to make this dream happen for the side hustle of a lifetime, okay? A pickup truck, a lawnmower, and a snowblower. And I feel like those would give me a side hustle for, like, every season. Uh, yes. And you're manic. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would, if that's something you wanted to pursue. Uh-huh. Maybe on sabbatical, baby. <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> I, you always get this look in your, this glimmer in your eyes when you're humoring me. It's my favorite. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm going to just straight up do a marathon this weekend. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> yes, I'm with you. I'll do it. Let's do a relay race. I fucking loved relay races when I was a kid. I don't think I've ever done one. I did one in swimming, but I don't think I ever did a really? We had. Did you ever do a fifth grade Olympics? No. We had fifth grade Olympics, and it was like, I remember that day vividly. Was it fun? I was the tug of war champion in fifth grade. That's Badass. I beat all of the boys. This is not apropos of anything, but we did this thing when I was in middle school called Dig, and they like set up these like they buried like artifacts in the <gasps> area around school. Oh my god! I wonder if Wills teams. would be involved. Wills would be involved. <laughs> Damn! Yeah, you're right. Listener Wills. 
My last, is this a good idea or my manic? Is this is not for me? I could Wait, not do what this. happened? You you dug up stuff? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought that you just knew and filled in the blanks. No. They set up these like little plots and put us into teams and they buried shit. And like we would go in and like it would, we'd like form a team <gasps> and dig stuff up and like catalog it and like all this kind of stuff. And then we got to have like a campfire meal at the end of it. Oh my God. That's so cute. That's really cool. I went to that a sounds really, really good lower and middle school. That sounds really cool. We did like a lot of really cool shit. Wow. Um, My last idea mm-hmm. is I wouldn't be able to do this. I think there's a conflict of interest and I just don't want to do it, but it's a okay. good idea for somebody. Is this okay. a good idea for somebody or my manic? <laughs> In a college town, having, like, a college school bus. Okay. That will be, like, just a big school bus, and it'll, like, go around to, like, off-campus housing and, like, pick up college students and, like, take them directly to class. Like, hungover college students. <laughs> That's genius. Do you like that idea? Yes, that is a genius idea. I think somebody should do I'm that. I'm in. I'm in. I can't no. imagine there's, like, a liability involved or something. <laughs> Can I be honest? Yeah. I don't understand the grant one. I don't Aww. understand how grants work. Okay, so <laughs> when you that's you're you're being really really vulnerable and I really appreciate it. So once again, I'm a liberal arts person. So grants have very little impact on my day-to-day life. <laughs> but let's say there's like a big a foundation that offers fucking huge grants. I'll use Wills as an example, right? Okay. So like let's say there is this is just like as a totally abstract example, let's say that they find this area in New Mexico where there are, you know, there has been evidence of other archaeologists have found some artifacts there. And the team that Wills is on wants to go and do an, a dig there or some mm-hmm. shit. Sorry, Wills. I know that I'm probably butchering <laughs> this. So there will be a foundation like, you know, the the National Science Foundation or like the National Archaeological Association or something that will have funds specifically to support people's research. It costs so much money to fly everybody out there and buy the equipment and, you know, get put, put people in hotels right. and all the stuff that you need to do those kind of studies. And people generally also need to get paid so that they can pay their rent while they're doing research. Right. So grants support all of that. Oh, um, oh, okay. So it's from usually like a nonprofit foundation who. So we would be we would be the foundation. Exactly. So manic episodes would be the foundation, and we would give our money only to like types of research where we're like, "Fuck, I'd love to know the answer to that," like something related to bipolar disorder or you know queer relationships okay. or whatever. Like let's like a team of a team of of you know psychology grad students at UMass wants to do a study about queer relationships yeah. they need funding to do it yeah. they might apply to us for funding to facilitate okay it. i love that but that means we need money Right. So the first word of my little idea was fundraise. Um, fundraise to be an organization to do that. I'm not good at fundraising. Oh. <laughs> um, so that that really is car wash. Yeah. Lawnmower snowplow business. Lawnmower snowplow car wash band question mark profit. van. Van to college, drunk vans. You could do van, yes, and also you could do van remodeling. Get, get kids, put them in the van. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> oh, do you have one last one? Yeah, I'm gonna drop everything and be a TikTok influencer. I'd love to hear it. That's that's another like step one, step two, question mark, profit. <laughs> Because people make money off of it. I don't know how. Okay, that was fun. Well, am I manic? I don't know. 
Aren't we all? Yeah. Um, okay. So what is your first obsession? My first obsession is TikTok. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Talk about it. Tell me about it. I Tick- love TikTok about it. I love it. TikTok. I love TikTok. I mean, you're everybody so said, cute. everybody said, Mary, you're going to love TikTok. Daphne said, Mary, you're going to love TikTok. Everybody said so. Well, it turns out I love TikTok. You do. And I joined it. I joined it a couple weeks ago because this, this video was going viral of this really sweet young girl. She like she loved the song. She keeps she keeps me warm. <laughs> I forgot the name of my own song. She loved she loved she keeps me warm. But she wanted to be able to sing it to her boyfriend who was trans. And like she's like, do you, does anyone would could we hire anybody to sing? He keeps me warm. Oh, and it was like so cute. It was it was getting like uh, rep reposted. I don't know. I still I'm learning. Um, and I got I got like three messages from friends that were like, you should see this. You should do something. It's so cute. And so then I responded to that. And that's how I became on TikTok and um, became then, on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then I didn't know what to do after that. So I like tried to make a few videos and I was like, what's what's happening? I thought I was supposed to go viral. And yeah. Like, you're like, I, wait, I was promised this. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Like. Where's my where are my viral videos? <laughs> yes, why isn't this going off? And then I took this video of you um, when we were in Boise for Boise Pride. Um, also, we played. In we Boise played Pride. Boise Pride. Oh my god, that's happened in the last two weeks. Isn't hasn't that it? nuts? Oh my god. Yeah, you were amazing. Everything. Went oh off my god, that was hitch. such a blast. Your band was so amazing. I was going to talk about it as one of my obsessions. I'll just wedge it in here. Like I, I, I told your band afterward, um, Tim and Heather, uh, Heather who plays the drums and Tim who plays the guitar and is your music director. And they're both just like so incredible. I told both of them, I was like, this is not like I'm playing in my cousin's band down in their garage on the street. Like when I was in a queen cover band called brain choir, when I was in seventh grade, <laughs> we were actually really good. But, um, I was like, this is, like, not a dog and pony show. Like, y'all take this really seriously. And, like, Mary shows me a lot to me. And, like, it really meant a lot to me that y'all entrusted me with doing that. Like, that's, that was, that's, like, that could be, like, a huge liability. And I just really appreciated it. And I felt, like, part of the team. And I feel like a deeper connection to those songs now. Mm. And, like, it was just, like, such a rush. Like, holy fuck. I can't believe I had that experience of, like, playing in front of that many people. That's insane. You were amazing. I'm trying to stop saying insane and crazy. I'm having a really hard time with it. Bananas. It was bananas. <laughs> you were amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> why well, it was just, I mean, you, y'all know why. I mean, they were just so charismatic and just so fun to play with. And it was just like, like so exciting to be on stage and then look over and be like, that's my boo. Like that's my you boyfriend. You liked it, really. That's my boo. That's it's, so sweet, honey. I just, it was so, it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But so anyway, we were packing up to head home and um, you were talking about uh, gender stuff and about being non-binary and you said something like, it it was just so perfect. And I was like, you have to say that again. I just like, will you just, will you just say exactly what you just said? And um, the video was something to the effect of like, when people say they don't understand like what being non-binary is, me neither. Like, like I don't know. Like, you all and everybody's grandparents and parents, like, you all invented the binary. Like, I don't know. I, I'm still figuring it out, too. And I just... it. So, it went viral. I still just cannot accept that that is true. In a, like, in my mind, like, every TikTok video gets, like, 4 million views. 
And but you said no, that's actually not no, true. No, that's not true. Okay, that's fucking awesome. So it, it I think it got like a hundred and seventeen thousand views. That's and so just cool. A ton of like really sweet comments. And so I just wanted to say very publicly, thank you, honey, for really putting me the, on the map. I on haven't TikTok. looked at the comments. At you all. haven't looked at the. There's like 800 comments. I've never looked. I like, haven't looked. People love it, I and they love see you. It. Yeah, I love all of them too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I yeah. Anyway, so I'm just I'm obsessed with TikTok. I'm now I'm now I want to be TikTok famous. <laughs> And I will support you in that. It's Thank not a you, dream honey. even, that plan. Thank you, baby. Um. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. What was your next obsession? Um. So, yeah, I mentioned, so, oh. fucking Boise Pride. Boise Pride. But also uh, the kitchen counter, <gasps> the island. Honey. So, uh, we had big dreams for reimagining the island in our kitchen. The island that was there, there wasn't enough space to sit at it, and it was, like, kind of an awkward shape. And, and also, Mary didn't like that she's a big bear, and she couldn't. Like comfortably had, navigate around the kitchen. Yeah, I had to like shuffle to the side so- to the side to it was get just around. Bad it. news. It was, it was just poo poo. No was, offense to the, the previous owner of this home, but actually offense is stupid. <laughs> and um, anyway, and uh, do you, can you tell I'm like, oh, should I not have said that? No, of course you should. It. Who cares? And I just in my in my fucking fantasies, everyone listens to this, even though I <laughs> definitely know it's not true. But um, you researched, found, measured, attached. Fucking from idea to execution, this beautiful wooden, like natural wood top to the island. And it's amazing. Like the whole space is enhanced by it being there. I'm just really impressed. Thank you, honey. You had the vision. You had the ambition. You activated it. Thank you. You actualized it. Thank you, honey. Yeah, it's from Forever Joint Tops. They're a pair of brothers and they're just so, so nice and... Um, and I just gave them my dimensions and I attached, um, I learned all about, um, uh, butterfly joint, joints, <laughs> joints <laughs> and, uh, miters and, uh, dealy bobs and we'll connectors. To, I can't wait for people to see it. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to do a little, a little show. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You did everything except like harvest the trees and <laughs> chop so, them down. You're so sweet, baby. And what's your next obsession? Um, I so many so i'm gonna just like say a few um uh i'm really into paying bills on time right now <laughs> yeah thank you for your help with that <laughs> i'm really obsessed with running and mm-hmm. my new brooks shoes yes i couldn't believe we got them on sale for 80 dollars. it's amazing they're, and they're perfect shout yes. out marathon sports in northampton um uh, no, no free ads sorry not, not even for a local business <laughs> i've <already> said that <laughs> Um, Maddie Diaz has a new album out. Uh-huh. I'm sure I've already talked about it, but I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I think it's called New Person Old Place. I think the whole album's called that. Actually, I don't know. I really miss doing them this way, actually. Just like rattling through all of them. Oh, this yeah. This is much better. Yeah, let's just do that. Are you done? No, I have one more. Oh, Jesus. Mine, this last one's a little bit of a story. No, please do it. Go for it. I don't know. This could be really, really shitty. Do it. I'm glad it's at the end because maybe I'll edit this out if Take this goes poorly. A fucking chance. <laughs> So I posted this video on um, on TikTok and then I posted it on Instagram as well. I, I it was my reaction to watching um, the latest L Word, which just pretty disappointed me. My, um, you know, they have it's 
I was disappointing to not even see very much fat representation on the show anyway. And that's always difficult as a fat person to not really see yourself reflected. Um, representation sucks for uh, most marginalized bodies, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just especially disappointed just because this season and this uh, uh, yeah iteration of the L word seems so progressive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've gotten so much right this season. Yeah. Um, expectations are high yeah yeah and so uh rosie o'donnell's character uh um which i thought was fucking great that rosie was in it and also there were some really fucking funny jokes i didn't tell you about this they were like talking about like oh yeah ellen is the first uh talk show the first gay openly gay talk show host and like rosie's talking about like i love ellen oh (laughs) no really good that's awesome um and that's really funny (laughs) it was like it's they're very self-aware self-aware yeah and later on, like just a little bit after that episode or later in that scene, Rosie tells Shane that she's been uh, she goes to OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And that is that is like all of a sudden it's like a plot line, whether it's it's supposed to be like I think she's supposed to be lying and saying that she goes to AA. Um, yeah. Can I ask a stupid question? Hmm. What is the... Is that like a like a particularly sort of like sensitive suggestion? To me, OA is uh I've I view it's like worse than Weight Watchers to me. Mm-hmm. Overeaters Anonymous is like th- that it's couched in a in addiction. Oh right. It's because it's a 12 step program, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's kind of like gay conversion therapy. Ooh, that's right. how I that's how um very much against it right. I am, is that it is like it is really punishing behavior that is so uh, ingrained culturally mm, with with right. diet stuff right. that it lets diet culture off the hook and doesn't ask like where the fuck did this come from and and you know the 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 issue is always with the person who's failing at having a healthy relationship with food rather than looking at all of the things that contribute to that and finding a peaceful relationship with food. It's not, it, you know, part of the reason people have binge eating disorders is like that there's this, the compulsion that you don't know when you're not going to be able to eat again because you don't know when you're going to be dieting again. Right. Right. So I think it's just, it is, uh, it was just so painful to, to watch. It's just like you said, just, just such a disappointment. Oh my God. I think that's like, because my relationship to that, um, organization feels so akin to gay conversion. <laughs> right. It was like, oh my God. That that's like, it's that, that, that's a, like it signals something to you also about yes. the writers being like, oh, you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you don't, you're not you, right. Right. Yeah. And e- even if it's not a real plot point, it's, it shouldn't have crossed anybody's mind. It shouldn't be in there. Right. Nothing about Rosie's weight should be in there. Right. You know? Um, so you were responding to that in your video. Yes. And reacting to it, really. Yeah, like, yes, yeah. exactly. It was, was raw. Coming, yeah. It was like, because I think you saw it and re- recorded it like at in like, the same sitting. Yes. I was, had just watched it and I was like, I have to say something about this. I have to say how I'm really feeling in this minute rather than, you know, crafting some sort of well written essay. I just want to say what I'm feeling in this moment. Um, okay, this is like going to turn into something that you did not think it was going to turn into. I'm really excited because you you have this look on your face. So I posted this and um, it got it got like uh, a lot of comments. People were like, you know, 
you know, talking to each other through it. And it was just, and it, um, the comments on TikTok have been so sad. And so it is like every person being like, I was on Weight Watchers when I was 12. Oh my God. I would like, I was forced to do this, you know? Um, and there was one comment on my God, Facebook. that's so fucked up. Right? There was one comment on my Facebook from someone I knew in high school, like very, like, I, I think we had had, uh, we were in choir together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, uh, she said, why are you talking about, you know, body stuff now? Is it because this, this show hurt your feelings? <sighs> like you were, um, she she was like having a conversation. Someone had replied to it and she was like, well, Mary bullied me in high school about my weight. And I was like, what the hell? Like I'm shocked. Like I, I I have never bullied anybody that I, that I am aware of. I just, I immediately was like, like, Oh, something is wrong. Like I just, I was like, there's no fucking way. That's true. I've just, I've always, I was, I've always been for the underdog. You know what I mean? Like, and I was fat in high school. Like, I would never bully somebody for being fat. I was, like, you know, like, very... And gay. Like, I don't know. Like, I was not a bully in high school, for <laughs> sure. Um, and so I messaged her, and I was like, hey, um, I, you know, I want to be held accountable. Like, if if I did something that I wasn't aware of, like, will you, like, please... Please let me know. And like, I'm not, this is not a message for you to take your comment down. Like, I just want to make sure that we're good. You right. Know? Right. Like, are, is that you, okay, you really you wanted know? to atone? Like, you yeah. wanted to make amends. For I was sure. like, oh, I cannot imagine having done that. But like, I want to be open to it. You were I, open to I, like, oh my God, maybe I wasn't the person I thought I was in high yeah, school. Like, holy shit. Totally. Um, but I was like, but as far as like, if this is the first time I've ever talked about body stuff, I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I think I sent her. Yeah. I sent her like when um I did the body love music You're like, video. Hi, hey. <laughs> I was like, I wrote body love when I was nineteen, like just out of high school. Mm-hmm. So this has been like on my. This ain't my first rodeo. Yeah. Um, and she kind of said all of this stuff, and she was like, "Well, maybe you didn't bully me, but I noticed that sometimes you and your friends would whisper, and I'm just." I'm sure you were talking about how fat I was or something. And I was like, whoa, like that is so not right. What happened? Yeah. I, I totally know the feeling of being excluded and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but like, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't, that that wasn't what was happening. Right. You know? And I was like, but isn't that how so insidious Fat, like fat phobias and fat shaming is and the culture around it that it makes us feel like people are always talking like about you have bodies. to be vigilant yeah and like i'm sure that there's a the like that the pain comes from knowing like oh shit i mean i'm usually right yeah like, a lot totally. of the time I'm probably, i know i'm right yeah but anyway i got really really obsessed with like making sure like racking my brain of like did i do something like right this? anyway that is um the last piece of I'm, things I don't, I'm obsessed I don't think with. you should edit that out. Okay. Like, I don't think that you said anything okay. that was, like, inappropriate. Or, like, I think that's important to know. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think it, it it speaks to, like, an experience I think a lot of people have had. And I think it also causes me to kind of reflect on, like, were there times when I maybe read into people's behavior stuff that was actually just a product of, like, my own hurt in mm-hmm. other areas, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. 
Do you want to read a poem? I'm not done with my obsessions, dude. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Um, Seahawks football's back. <laughs> yes. Um, there was an un- very unfortunate. Um, let's. You know what? There's no reason to. There's no reason to do this. We don't need to talk about it. We didn't we play don't. the Tennessee Titans. No. I don't know. Yeah, at Lumen no. Field. I don't know no. what you're talking about. So whatever. It was a bye week. Our first game is coming up this weekend. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be great, <laughs> right? It's Seahawks game. And um, my second obsession, second, whatever, fourth, fifth, uh, Mary hates this Twitter account. And in fact, one of my favorite things about it is how much she hates it. She's like shaking her head right now in disappointment and disbelief. I can't believe we're talking about this. Um, they're... <laughs> Their at is a um, smiling object, and their little Twitter name is unidentified smiling object. And these are just just three of their tweets that are my favorites. Okay, Drake has been rumored to be dating a bug. I <laughs> I am a slave to my Nissan Altima. Every my every thought is to serve my car. <laughs> So funny. And last, I'm going to Texas to perform abortions on gorgeous women. <laughs> You're laughing. How funny. Why are you laughing then? I was honestly, I'm like, I stand unidentified smiling object. Like, I sh- and now the algorithm knows. So, like, it shows me unidentified smiling object tweets. I have notifications turned on. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about him except that he posted, like, a selfie where his, like, complete bare ass was visible in the mirror behind him, but he kind of framed it to look like there was an accident. <laughs> I adore him. The only tweet that ever was funny was, I'm smiling outside your house right now. <laughs> That's a funny tweet. That's funny. <laughs> Did you like the one that was just the smiling emoticon? Yeah, that one was good. I, also- I liked that one, yeah. I also was a huge fan of like that one. It wasn't it wasn't unidentified smiling object. It was some adjacent account. But remember, it said uh, all of this bullshit. They're just trying to sell you soda. It's all dog food. It's fucking genius too. Like these people are like the Bob Dylans of our generation. Bob's Dylan. Uh, okay, last. My last thing, two more things. Okay. Um, I'm reading this book right now by Richard Powers, who's the same guy who wrote The Overstory, which was, like, just the most... You said it was really overwrought. It was overwritten. It was too long. It was so preposterous and dramatic. But you said the beginning was, like, the most beautiful writing you've ever read. It was really amazing. And so he has this... This book just came out last week, and it's called Bewilderment. And it's, like... I mean, first of all, I was so relieved to see that it's only, like, maybe 200 pages long. (laughs) Um, I have patience for, like, big fiction, you know? But um, I do love just, like, a slim, powerful book. So... Uh, the premise, I'm like halfway through it right now, but it's about this guy who is a, um, like, what am I trying to say? Like an ass, like a, like a biologist studying potential life in other, Mm. on other planets. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's like an astrobiologist or something. I don't know. Cool. And, um, he, his, his wife has died recently and he has this young son who has like what seems to be severe autism and the... He he keeps like kind of giving he, he's developed this technology to sort of like imagine future or like imagine like all the possibilities of what other planets, whether they could be inhabitable or not, might look like mm-hmm. these like exoplanets like, you know, that are like potentially like galaxies away mm. and 
kind of shows his son like these it's it's just like these super abstract like really beautiful descriptions of like being on a planet where there's a star that's so close that it kind of yanks everything out of its gravitational mm. orbit and that's why life isn't possible mm. and just it's really really beautifully written wow and, um, it's like starting off i had to like shake my cynicism loose it's a little cheesy yeah. and you know i have such trouble reading about like this, you know, like tragic, like white male college professor, like, you know, it's like a really hard character for me to identify with, mm-hmm. but I just, I feel like it's been done and done and done and done. I'm like, yeah. the, the only thing worse would be if he was like a failed novelist, yeah. you know, but, um, once I shook that loose, it's like really beautiful, really sad prose mm. and it's starting to get really interesting. So I'll update y'all later. And then last, 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 last is. I am, you know, I'm from Texas. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. I never knew that. <laughs> and the Houston area is, like, especially near and dear to my heart because that's where my my dad was from the Houston area. And, you know, my my huge chunks of my family live there. And, you know, it's, like, the closest, one of the closer big cities to my hometown. And there's a group called Houston Haitians United. Mm. And it's a nonprofit that is um, looking for volunteers as it works to help refugees who are coming to Houston from Del Rio and from the Texas-Mexico border. Yeah. And uh, the Houston Haitians United are taking, like, uh, two or three buses a day that each have about 65 people um, to the Houston area, and they are being buses sheltered in northeast Houston, and they want volunteers to work at this shelter. And so they need nurses who can test for COVID. Um, they want cooks, and especially cooks who have experience cooking Haitian food. Oh. Um, anybody who can speak Creole, uh, you know, for Creole Haitian translators, um, barbers, hairstylists, like people who do makeup, just like all kinds of help. They need it. And um, so they have a phone number that you can call, which is so if any Houston area manic fam spread this word to your friends and family. I just wish that we lived there. Yeah, me too. Um, but so it's area code 832-945-1HHU. Or you can email info at HoustonHaitiansUnited.org. And I'll put a link on our episode description because they also need donations. And we donated to them tonight. Mm-hmm. So you can donate to them via PayPal, Venmo, or the Cash App. So I'll include a link to that as well. But it's uh, like a way to make such a tangible difference in the lives of people who are just like on the verge of, of creating a new life here, yeah. you know, like uh, just imagine how fucking jarring and scary that yeah, is and absolutely. how much it would mean to you have to have like a smiling face or an, totally. an, an unidentified smiling object <laughs> smiling outside your house. <laughs> I love that. Ugh, that's rad. Me too. Thank you, honey. So Absolutely. And um, what's your, you want to read your poem? Yeah, sure. No. Nail it on us. No, I'm bored. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to read a poem? I don't know. What, what do you want? Come on. Sorry, I was drinking water. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> this is a poem I found um, because Harold Lindsay Bird posted this, and Ooh. she's one of my favorite poets. She wrote the poem uh, Pyramid, Pyramid Scheme, Scheme that I, I read like very early on in our, um, Jinx in our show. What, you want me to die coke? Um, <laughs> she posted this on her page, and I just loved it and it reminds me of her writing a little bit um but this is uh called the sofas fogs and cinemas by rosemary tonks i really like that name a lot me too rosemary tonks i have lived it and lived it 
my nervous luxury civilization, my sugar loving nerves had bad, have battered me to pieces. Their idea of literature is hopeless. Make them drink their own poetry. Let them eat their gross novel full of mud. It's quiet. Just the fresh, chilly weather. And he gets up from his dead bedroom and comes in here and digs himself into the sofa. Mm. He stays there up to two hours in the hole and talks straight into the large subjects. He faces up to everything. It's damnably depressing. Mm -hmm. That great lavatory coat, the cigarillo burning in the little dish. And when he calls out, ha, madness, you no longer possess your own furniture. Mm -hmm. On my bad days, and I'm being broken at this very moment, Mm -hmm. I speak of my ambitions, and he becomes intensely gloomy with the look of something jugged. Morose, sour, moldering away with locked jaw. I grow coarser and more modern. I, who am driven mad mm-hmm. by my ideas, who go nowhere, who dare not leave my front door lest an idea. All right, I admit everything, everything. Ah, yes, <laughs> the opera. Ah, but the cinema. He particularly enjoys it, enjoys it horribly when someone's ill at the last minute and they specially fly in a new gigantic Dutch soprano. Mm. He wants to help her with his arias. (laughs) Old goat blasphemer. He wants to help her with her arias. No, I go to the cinema. I particularly like it when the fog is thick. The street is like a hole in an old coat and the light is brown as laudanum. The fogs, the fogs, the cinema where the criminal shadow literature flickers over our faces. The screen is spread out like a thundercloud that bangs and splashes you with acid or lies derelict with lighted waters in it. And in the silence drips and crackles, taciturn, luxurious. The drugged and battered Philistines are all around you in the auditorium. And he is somewhere else in his dead bedroom clothes. He wants to make me think (laughs) his thoughts. And they will be enormous, (laughs) dull, just the sort to keep away from. When I see that cigarillo, when I see it smoking... And he wants to face the international situation, lunatic rages, blackness, suffocation, all this sitting about in cafes to calm down simply wears me out. And their idea of literature, the idiotic cut of the stanzas, the novels full up gross. I have lived it and I know too much. My cafe nerves are breaking me with black, exhausting information. (laughs) God, I I don't I I like could not stop laughing the whole way through. Isn't it amazing? It's real. Like like I know I I know it's not always supposed to be funny. There's like some kind of a laugh of like recognition or something. Yes, I really liked it. It I kept thinking of the that last the that that like climactic scene in Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. with the the when the the. The screen is burning and like her, the, the theater owner's face is being projected on. It's like this chaos. Totally. Where she talks about the, 
criminal shadow literature yes. of, the, of the cinema. Got, the I, cinema. I got a very Tarantino vibe from the poem. Yeah, you know, I, like, with the cigarette with the the, tr- the the coat and the cigarette and the. I love the coarse and modern. Ugh. Yeah, it's like that was really fun. It was like pulpy. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for sharing that. And Rosemary Tonks. And what about you, honey? Um, I have a poem um, that I read in a recent issue of Harper's mm. that I really loved called Immigrant Sea. Oh. And it is by Forrest Gander. Mm. This is also an incredible name. Great name. Aroused by her inaccessibility, he aches for more of her life to live inside him. Watching the breaker standing so close he can feel heat coming off her wet scalp. What is his relation to this person before him, so familiar and foreign? The way he searches out her face, he searches out himself. Gusts thrash, crests of swell, spring grasses twirl circles in the sand where they stand without speaking. She wants him to know it's all charged, even grass, positive, pollen negative, so when grass waves, it sweeps the air for pollen. He feels electricity all around, as though the wild drama of the coming storm were already aware of them, foreigners on this shore. Little sapphire blue flowers speckle the dunes. He wonders if he has let himself flatten out into a depthless sheet like escalator stairs, whether in the end he'll disappear underground without the smallest lurch of resistance. But when her lavish face turns toward him, beaming, the corners of her eyes wind wet, he yields to that excess. He reappears to himself. Mm. God, that's so beautiful. Isn't that a beautiful moment? That's so beautifully written. Oh, I love it, too. Oh, my gosh. I just feel like it's so... like tactile like there's something i feel like i can feel feel it crackling yes, you know absolutely oh thank you so much for sharing absolutely it. thank you for sharing yours I loved this well it'll never be the same after this oh my god we're ch- we're growing we're up changing actually you know what you're 18 years old i'm not supporting you anymore get the fuck out of here manic episodes oh okay <laughs> you look so shaken <laughs> We're adopting a new, younger, more interesting <laughs> child, and it'll be called Manic Episode Season Two, two baby. All right, hey, number two. I think we also might. I think we should. We'll we'll release um, episodes starting on Tuesday or something. Oh my again, god! Also, you know? new what? theme song. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Yes, this friends. Damn. It's a good song. Thank y'all so much for joining us. We will see you in November. Happy holidays. November. (laughs) The 21st night of September. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I hope y'all have the best October. I miss you already. I feel like I'm going to cry, but we'll be around on Patreon. So um, I'm putting myself behind a paywall. (laughs) Yeah. Hope you like it. We'll be doing some updates on Patreon, but otherwise we'll see the rest of y'all in November. See ya. Bye. Wouldn't want to be ya. Be be ya. Be ya. (laughs) 